To him who is and who was and who is to come, be power and glory and honor and praise forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning uh, is our second reading, Revelation chapter 19. And I'll remind you of these words. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the word of our God. In the name of our risen and ascended Savior, Jesus Christ, my dear brothers and sisters. The book of Revelation is scary. At least, that's the way a lot of people view it. They're a little bit intimidated by this last book of the Bible because it seems to them strange and mysterious and hard to understand. Many are kind of put off by the intense imagery that's found in Revelation. You know, dragons and serpents and beasts, oh my. Here's the thing, though. When the Spirit inspired John to record these visions, he didn't do so with the intention of scaring us. Just the opposite. His intention was to encourage us. His purpose was to fill us with joy and with confidence. He wanted to direct our attention to the Lord Jesus Christ and so strengthen our faith in Him. He writes to assure us who are members of the church militant on earth that one day we will indeed be members of the church triumphant in heaven. He writes to show us that Jesus has defeated all our enemies. And my friends, because of that, because Jesus wins, so do we. That's the entire point of the book of Revelation, and the portion of it before us today is no exception. Permit me this morning the privilege and the pleasure of walking you through this fantastic text point by point, verse by verse, and it may be helpful to you to follow along in your bulletin uh, as I do so. As we hear these words, we sinners are, are going to find details that will indeed frighten us because they will point out our sinfulness. But most of all, we're going to find joy and confidence in Christ as we hear about his victory. You know, Martin Luther once said, when I look at myself, I don't see how I can be saved. But when I look at Christ, I don't see how I can be lost. My friends, this morning, let's look at Christ. Let's spend some time feasting our eyes on our ascended King. John begins our text this way, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Now, the details that follow make very clear who the rider is. The rider is Jesus. And what is this rider like? Well, he is called faithful and true. In an earlier portion of Revelation, we find these words. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Those are also about Jesus. Jesus is called the Amen. Now, just think of that for a second. What do we mean when we say Amen after a prayer, when we sing it after a hymn? We mean this is most certainly true. And we can say that when we look at Jesus. This is most certainly true because Jesus never tells a lie. Jesus always keeps his word of promise. Jesus always fulfills the word of God. 
My friends, what a wonderful comfort that is for us today and every day, because just think of the things that Jesus has promised to us. He's promised us the full forgiveness for all of our sins. He has promised us great blessings here in this world, a life of peace and joy and hope and power to live for him. And he's promised us the eternal peace of heaven. Are all of these things true? Yes, the one who promised is faithful. He is true and faithful and the amen. And my friends, not only is our Lord Jesus faithful, but he is perfectly fair. Listen, with justice, he judges and makes war. That's not fair. People say that a lot, especially kids and teenagers. And to those teenagers, my often cynical response has been, well, life's not fair. Get used to it. But here's the thing. The unfairness that we see around us, the injustice of this world, wears on us, doesn't it? And it can become so incredibly frustrating. Our text assures us that our God is going to bring all of that frustration to an end. Judgment Day is coming. Jesus, who ascended, is returning. And on that day, the entire world, the entire universe, is going to see God's righteous judgment revealed. It will be clear to all. The spotlight will be on it. It will be on display for everybody to see. And on what basis will God judge? Jesus tells us in John's Gospel, he said, There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. The decisions that our Savior will make on Judgment Day will be made on the basis of God's word. Those who stubbornly reject that word and the Savior revealed there will be punished eternally. But those of us who by God's grace, and my friends mark it well, by God's grace alone, accept the word and trust in Jesus' grace and mercy, we're going to receive the crown of life. And on that day, trust me, nobody is going to say, that's not fair. And nobody's going to arrogantly argue, a, a loving God would never send anyone to hell. No, before the judge of all, every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that our God is just and fair. Jesus is not just just and fair in judgment, but our text also tells us he's just in waging war. He's a just warrior. Interesting. That means that his decision to go to war against our enemies was right and it was good. It means that Jesus waged a truly just war. And my friends, what a war. The victory that he won is total. The battlefield is littered with the corpses of our defeated enemies. Sin is smashed. Death is demolished. The devil is done. Christ's victory is complete. And here's the amazing thing. He shares that victory with you and with me. He shares it with us in spite of what he knows about us. And he knows everything. Listen, his eyes are like blazing fire. The order of private confession in our hymnal begins with these words. In the name of the God, to whom all hearts are open and from whom no secrets are hidden. You can't hide anything from God. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God in the Garden of Eden after their sin. 
What foolishness. My friends, we act in the same foolishness when we try to hide our sins from God or minimize them in some way. Oh, sure, we can have some success at hiding our faults and our foibles from other people, but you can't get anything past God. That's the point of Jesus' eyes blazing like fire. The idea is these are eyes that look right through you. Eyes that see everything. Eyes that see right down into the depths of our sin-filled hearts. And my friends, that's not a very comforting thought. But it is a useful and a necessary one. Because it reminds us just how much we need our ascended Savior and King. And by the way, He is a King. Our text tells us on His head are many crowns. That seems like a strange idea, doesn't it? Many crowns. Wouldn't one crown be sufficient on top of Jesus' head to show us that He is a King? But understand the picture here. Jesus, again, has defeated many enemies. Every one of those enemies has had to hand over his crown to Jesus. They are stacked up on top of his head to show his total victory over every enemy. And so there is no question about who the true king and victor is. But my friends, there is some question about just exactly what he is like. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. In the Bible, name often refers to someone's identity or reputation, who that person is. We know who Jesus is. We know him well. On the basis of his word, we know him as our Lord and Savior. In fact, the Bible tells us everything we need to know about Jesus in order to be saved. That's the whole point of the Bible. Through the Holy Scriptures, we have been made wise for salvation. But we don't know everything. On this side of heaven, we can't. There are some things about the Almighty God that remain a mystery to us. His true nature is beyond our understanding. But my friends, this much is no mystery. Jesus would stop at nothing to save us sinners. And the clothes that he wears make this clear. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Now when you first hear that, you probably think right away that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us, and so that's the blood that's on his robe. And that certainly is biblically accurate. Jesus did, as the Lamb of God, shed his blood on the cross to pay for all of our sins. Great good news. But the picture here is a little different. Again, it has to do with victory. The picture is of a great warrior returning from the field of battle, and his clothes are stained with the blood of his enemies. My friends, do you see why I said that Revelation is all about victory? Again and again on its pages, we are shown our Savior's victory and therefore our victory. The blood-drenched robe of the rider is just one more indication that the one who ascended as King of kings and Lord of lords is not about to let his church go down in defeat. What a comfort that is for us who are members of his church. Even his name brings us comfort. His name is the Word of God. In St. John's Gospel, Jesus is given a similar moniker. He is there called simply the Word. There's an old Greek proverb that says, A word is an image of the soul. In other words, you can learn a lot about someone from what comes out of their mouth, from what they say. We can learn a lot about our God 
from the Word, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is a walking, talking message. He is a living, breathing, flesh and blood sermon all about the one true God. When we see the Word hanging on the cross, suffering for our sins, we learn a lot about our God. We learn that our God is holy and just and righteous and that he hates sin so much that it must be punished. But at the same time, we learn about a God who is so full of grace and mercy and compassion that instead of punishing us, he sent his one and only Son to endure that punishment in our place. Well, the Word is no longer hanging on the cross, suffering for our sins. No, He has risen, He has ascended, and He is at the head of a mighty army. The armies of heaven were following Him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. The army. These are, of course, the holy angels. But I want you to notice one detail about them. It's kind of important. Their robes are not drenched in blood, even though they're an army. Because, you see, they did not fight. Jesus fought the battle himself. Jesus defeated our enemies all by himself. And so only his robe is drenched in blood. Jesus once talked about this angelic army in referring to the last day. He said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. So what John saw in a vision, my friends, we are going to see with our very own eyes. We will see our Lord return on the last day in great glory and power, not in humility like the babe of Bethlehem when he came the first time, but in great glory and power and leading that army of holy angels. What a sight that will be. But there's something strange about the sight. Listen. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Now, Jesus is no circus sword swallower. The sword that comes out of his mouth is a message. Uh, what what St. Paul calls the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. The writer to the Hebrews beautifully describes it this way. He says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is the message of God's law and God's gospel. And on the last day, Jesus is going to judge the nations on the basis of this word. And he will rule them with an iron scepter. One of my college professors was fond of saying, Jesus was no milk toast. If you're a fan of old comic strips, you may get that reference. Jesus was no milk toast. He would have played football. In other words, Jesus is no wimp. Jesus is strong. Jesus is tough. And the point is well made because, of course, many people today see Jesus as weak. They see Jesus as this pushover who just doesn't really care much about our sins. He just sort of overlooks them and tolerates them uh, and even permits them. My friends, on the contrary, the Lord Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth and shed his blood to pay for those sins. And he will punish those who in unbelief reject him and the payment he made. And it won't be pretty. Listen to this. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. 
On the last day, Jesus is going to finally crush every enemy of the church as easily as a winemaker squashes grapes. And how horrible that is going to be for those who are in the wine press. But my friends, how wonderful us for us who, again, by God's grace alone, trust in our Savior's mercy and forgiveness. On that last day, when Jesus who ascended returns, it's going to be our privilege and our joy to look on him, not with eyes of fear, but with eyes of faith, and to see that name that is written on his robe, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yet another name for our Savior, my friends, this too is filled with comfort. And really, it sums up everything for us. This is what ascension is all about. King Jesus has defeated all of our enemies. King Jesus has won for us awesome blessings, forgiveness, and life and salvation. King Jesus is even now ruling all things for the eternal good of his church. And King Jesus is coming again to share his victory with us eternally. Yes, my friends, as Luther said, when we look at our Savior, we wonder how could we possibly be lost. But we can't. Jesus has done it all. Take a good look at your Savior. Feast your eyes on your ascended King and realize he wins. And therefore, my friends, by God's grace, so do you. Amen.